This week on the Reverse Stick, we wrap up the Hockey World League. We also wrap up the PHL, and the biggest wrap of all goes to the Atlas Hockey Dream Team. This is the Reverse Dick, the Global Hockey Podcast. My name is John Lee, my co-host each week, Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? Yeah, good, John. G'day, 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 listeners. How you doing, mate? I'm not too bad. Uh, I got a bit of uh, felt out, went out in sympathy with some of the World League players <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Had a few issues with the tummy, but I'm back on board today. This must have been that bad water, John, hey? Oh, I'm not going there. Lots to talk about coming up on Hockey World League fallout and uh, some of the issues around the tournament, some of the issues within the tournament as well. But I have to say I really did enjoy the last few days, regardless of whether there was 18 fully fit players or not on either of the, uh, the teams that were participating. Um, and uh, yeah, it was hockey, hockey, hockey. Loved it. I'll uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit later. We've also got um, PHL rap from our mate Jabu. Tyron Jabu Barnard coming from South Africa. So looking forward to speaking to uh, Tyron very soon. And uh, we'll be talking about plenty more things to do with hockey as well. News, and we start this week with, of course, the Hockey World League. Plenty to say about it, but we'll just get through the results to start with. And, of course, Australia running out winners of that tournament there over uh, the Argentinians, 2-1. 2-1 in the final, and it was a fantastic final, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of pressure there towards the end as the Argentinians were looking for that equaliser. A lot of tension in the stadium. Yeah, uh, a uh, pretty good game. Look, and f- fair play to the Australians. Went undefeated through the tournament. It wasn't every game that it was a w- was a win, but the uh, the guts and the tenacity that was shown in that last four or five minutes with the barrage of short corners and it was a real backs against the wall stuff that you'd come to expect from the Australians. Yeah, well, they've always prided themselves on having a pretty sturdy defence, and they. They backed themselves and they got away with the win in the end. Yeah. I mean, they could have, uh, both teams could have scored a couple more goals each, but I think at the end of the day it was probably a, a reasonable result. I reckon there had been a little bit of training on the short corners aimed towards um, the Argentinian goalkeeper's left boot because the two goals scored by Haywood and Govers were carbon copy in exactly the same spot. Yeah, they were, and I think that these are penalty corner takers these days, the drag flickers and that, that they... They watch these goalies very carefully. They'd be studying tape and all sorts. But nicely below the backboard, you might have noticed. Yes, very good. They were. A few few other rules that came up, but we're going to talk about that later. Um, so just in, in, that, in that final game, the junior player of the match was Lachlan oh. Sharp. He was debuting at the tournament. Yep. And um, uh, Juan Galardi of Argentina was man of the match. It's always strange to see I somebody know. go up and step and get get the big rubber check um, from somebody at Hockey India or the FIH there, and they just lost the final. And you're it's supposed to you're supposed to accept it with some kind of grace and smile for the cameras. And it was, it was a bit more of a grimace coming from him. But and you, you know, see can't that, blame or in lots of sports, you see that where you know the player of the match, and perhaps rightly so. I'm not going to make an argument for or against that, but. Um, yeah, it's it's an awkward situation for did, everybody. Did you hang around and watch the the proceedings we, at, at we'll, the end? We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that. We've got but uh, some other results there. India took the bronze medal with uh, an interesting win over a courageous German team. It must be said, and I think probably the goal of the year scored by a German goalkeeper. 
Mark, Mark, Appel. Mark Appel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely superb. And that was one for goalkeepers all over the world oh, for time. Absolutely. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, he didn't get man of the match in that game. Matt's, Matt's Grambush got man of the match. In I that think game, he should be man of the tournament for that game. <laughs> I mean, every goalie in the world will want him now to be in the goalie of the year calculations. I think the yeah. FIH. Um, the best player overall at the tournament was Graham Bush as well. Uh, Juan Vivaldi of Argentina got the best goalkeeper award, best yep. junior player, went to Victor Vegnez of Belgium, um, and Loic Leipart was the top scorer of the tournament. Uh, but yeah, you know, once again, as coming on from last week, there wasn't a lot of blowouts in the games there. It was all fairly tight, um, I, competition. I, well, look, we're going to talk about it a bit more, but I thought the pool games lacked a bit of verve. And they definitely lacked a bit of verve compared to the games that came after once it got to the quarterfinal stages, but we'll leave that for later. That's, that's, that's the tournament format, isn't it? It is. Now, the other international Big. tournament that was going on, um, were the Central American games. Last week we said they were the uh, CAC games on the show because we chose to take the information from the FIH uh, Match Centre website which has got it listed as the CAC games. Now you might remember there was the CAC qualifiers from Kingston in Jamaica a few weeks ago. Um, So that was to get through to the CAC games. The tournament that's actually just happened um, in Managua um, uh, in Panama, no, yeah in, yeah, in Panama, um, was the Central American Games, and that's the Hockey Fives tournament. So that concluded on the 7th uh, with, on the women's side of things, Guatemala taking out the gold there over Nicaragua. Uh, no, it wasn't Panama, it was Nicaragua, Man- Managua, Nicaragua. Oh, OK. Um, and on the men's side of the tournament in the final, again, it was a Guatemalan win, uh, this time over Costa Rica. To nil, so um, yeah, we don't need to go through the whole list of the the event there, but that's the Central American Games Hockey Fives in Managua, Nicaragua, all done for another year. Yeah, um, one thing to note about there it was a real disappointment that none of that information is on the Match Centre. No, it's got it's got a list of the fixtures, um, but no nothing, no results no on results. there, um, and it says 2017 CAC Games, which it isn't. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, I suppose they're probably all being busy at the Hockey World League in India, or maybe in Thailand. Um, <laughs> let's. What else? Oh, there is another big announcement to make. Go on. It, it's a real big announcement. It probably needs some announcement music. So what do you mean, some announcement music? I don't quite get your drift. Announcement. The Atlas Hockey Dream Team. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the conclusion of the Hockey World League Atlas Hockey Dream Team. And uh, the winners are in. And uh, wow, what a fantastic competition that was for everybody involved. We have quite a few. Nearly everybody. Well, yeah, nearly everybody. <laughs> um, I guess first, before we start, if just take you through the uh, the top 15 players lineup. I won't, I won't go through every single one of them, but a couple of the top scorers, if you selected these players, you would have done very well in the competition. Uh, young Blake Govers from Australia finished on 169 points. He was the pick of the strikers. Um, and the midfielders, Tom Wickham from Australia, 139 points, the pick there. Of course, Loic Leipart of Belgium, pick of the defenders, 289 points, and that's courtesy of the, the eight goals that he scored there. And the top two goalkeepers, Tyler Lovell from Australia and Vincent Van Ness. So if you have those boys in your teams... 
you would have done very well. Now, on to who did Robbed. do very well. Um, so we had, if, as you listened to the show or if you played, you know there was two rankings. There was the coach ranking and the predictions ranking, and then the com- combination of those points coming together would sort out who the top coach and the winner of the Atlas Hockey Dream Team would be. Uh, so just quickly, we'll just look at the uh, the predictions rankings. And uh, our man Taff at the Hockey Family, um, absolutely stellar performance. And oh, really? uh, he finished top of the ladder. But well his coaching selections were absolute pony, so uh, <laughs> he didn't figure anywhere hey. within the top ten at any time. Hang on a sec, they're international hockey players, none of them are ponies, mate. Top five on the predictions ranking, uh, the hockey family at number one, Robbie McMinn on, with 86 points on number two, Greg Bird, friend of the show, number oh, three uh, on 84 points, Nicholas Tomorrow on 83 points, and Owen 0811. I've uh, come in at number five there on 81 points. Now, of course, all of those points were added to the coach rankings. Um, just uh, to take you through the top five on the purely the coach rankings, uh-huh. not the combined scores. Um, Golden Foot SGHC, the Golden Team, finished top. Now, you might not have seen that name pop up on the last few leaderboards that came out on social media, and there's a very good reason for that. We discovered that there was some foul play um, happening there. And uh, the Golden Foot team was actually entered by Javier Pion, the creator of HockeyMan.net. He was um, he was quite he was quite honest and, and upfront, and he he got in touch and said, uh, actually guys, it's, I'm just doing this for fun. Um, I probably shouldn't win, and we said no, you probably shouldn't, and uh, we've reported him to the authorities and and actually disqualified him from the tournament. So yeah. finishing top of the Same leaderboard. Home of the letter, um, That's right. Eamon Jex uh, finished top. Uh, uh, sorry, finished second under Golden Foot there. Silver Canary Fox, uh, which is the team from Nick Pryor in in the UK, uh, came in second there, uh, in third there. Jonas uh, from the UK in fourth, and Kiwi 27 also from uh, from France there in number five. So what did that do to the final rankings, John? Uh, let me just pull up. Not much as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> So you might have seen the nice little uh, video that popped up on Twitter and on um, uh, Facebook earlier on in the week. Where is it, John? Let me find our winners. So the top three, and these are the prize winners. So the winner of the um, the great Atlas hockey gear, blackjack stick and all-equipped bag. Number one, Mr. Nick Pryor, the Silver Canary Fox. Number two, Amy Jacks. Uh, Got no name there, so we'll be following up with an email to uh, to work out how to get your prize to you. And John is in at number three, so congratulations to those guys all winning some fantastic Atlas hockey gear. Thanks so much to Atlas for sponsoring the uh, the Atlas hockey dream team this time around, and uh, we hope that it's something we can bring to you again in the future as a as a format and a concept. And we've really enjoyed working alongside Javier uh, to try and bring this to you. And, uh, yeah, you know, if, if you've got some ideas or some feedback to give us on the tournament, then we'd love to hear it. And Javier would love to hear it. And we want to make it um, a bigger, better tournament and experience and uh, get more of the hockey world involved uh, in, in future endeavours with it. Yes, yeah, so please, please do let us know what you think, those of you who uh, had a crack at it. And uh, I'm looking forward to having another go, actually, and improving the service. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, get get in touch. You can you can email us admin at thereversestick.net or get in touch on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at thereversestick. And uh, it should be noted that I did finish at um, 
top of the PPQ. Yeah, he'd finished top of the PPQ, but he didn't finish inside the top 50. No, I struggled with that, I must admit. No, I'm, but, not, I'm not saying anything because uh, obviously I didn't put a team in there because it would have been uh, against the rules. Yeah, of course. Are you listening, hey, Javier? Where, where do our winners come from? Uh, UK, not sure about uh, second place, and UK as well, I think, uh, third place. We couldn't find a bloke around the corner to win it then. Is that what? I've got the email addresses and the, I'm going to be bearing the cost of sending the gear so that they might have to wait until I come over there in April. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that way. Uh, well, hope, hope you enjoy the Dream Team experience anyway and uh, hopefully in the future join us for some more. What else have we got? Well, maybe it's about time now we headed off to South Africa. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast, and now it's time to turn our attention to South Africa, Matt. Well, that's right. The past couple of weeks, those of you who have tuned in would have heard our reports coming from the PHL, the Premier Hockey League in South Africa, with Tyron Jabu Barnard giving us all the info there. And uh, we're pleased to say that Tyron's on the line today, and uh, we're going to find out all about the PHL and the PSI, direct from Cape Town. Tyron, welcome to the show. Yeah, good day, mate. Um, <laughs> always great to to be able to chat about hockey, um, and obviously even better to chat about it in the global podcast, the Reverse Stick. Now, can you uh, give it your New Zealand accent as well? Uh, no, mate. You just got to talk a little we, bit more like this, bro. They beat us in the sevens rugby. Oh. Now you know, Tyron, this is a hockey podcast and not a rugby podcast. There's no room for that sort of yeah, thing. Okay. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so, Tyron, you're, um, you've, you've obviously um, been on the show for the past couple of weeks talking all about the PHL uh, happening in Randburg, and uh, that's all come to a conclusion last night. Could you let the listeners know what's happened and what the fallout is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, on Monday morning we were down to just four teams uh, in the ladies tournament it was the Blyde River Bunters uh, they were up against the Orange River Rafters um, the Orange River Rafters had been bottom of the table on Saturday morning uh, and managed a, a last uh, minute group win against the Bunters to get in uh, but the Bunters were the favourites by far uh, to defend their crown the other semi-final was the St. Lucia Lake it's quite a star-studded South African team and they were up against the um, the friends of the show, the Macquarie Daisies, Go the Daisies, the South African under 21 side. Um, yeah, and uh, of course both games produced some interesting hockey, very tight. Both games ended up in a 2-0 result, but of course the big shock was the Orange River Rafters. Uh, winning 2-0 against a very full-strength Blood River Bunters, uh, taking advantage of a few mistakes and then having one of the unheralded players, the goalkeeper Solis de Clack, just produce some outstanding saves to to hold uh, the Bunters at bay and get themselves into a final, having looked like they were going to be eliminated on Saturday morning. Uh, in the other semi-final, of course, it was uh, the Daisies who, who just pushed and pushed and pushed, but the experience on hand at the Lakers just was the telling difference, and they managed to get two goals through Cara uh, Boetis and Tiffany Jones to, to make their way through to the final. Um, in terms of the final itself, it was a bit of a, a disappointment as... Um, Lightning and rain, which is very, very common in Johannesburg at this time of the year, decided to be the man of the match and uh, denied them the opportunity of playing. 
And so the ladies' final was decided by a showdown. And uh, I suppose it was fitting that it actually went uh, to the eighth round before we had a winner. A good which bit of a shows shot, a little bit more class. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, the Orange River Rafters who popped up with a Donna Small goal before uh, Shelley Jones, who you might know better as Shelley Russell, yeah. um, was a judge to block the ball and had her goal overturned. And the Orange River Rafters, champions of PHL 2017 for the women's. Fantastic. Now, just before you go on to the men's, Tyron, how, yeah. how were the, the crowds and what was the engagement like with the locals? Yeah, so I, I suppose the weather has really not played its part um, for this year's PHL. Lots of rain. Um, and so the crowds were probably a bit smaller than than uh, the PHL organising committee would have liked. And of course, uh, having the fact that you can watch every single game live on Supersports, it's a good thing, but it's also a challenge when you're looking to try and get crowds down. Yeah. Um, because you look at the weather, you look at a bit of rain, you think, ah, don't really want to be sick over Christmas. And so you sit at home in a, in a warm house and watch it on TV. Yeah. Um, That's so it, it is an ongoing challenge. So um, do, do you have any idea of what the viewing figures were like? Or, you know, is, is there anything come out about that? No, not yet. But uh, one of the the companies involved is a company called Repucom, who are owned by Frances Bort to do a lot of the PR. They are actually uh, they do TV viewership uh, measurements, and so probably in the next month or so they'll have stats on how good the viewership was. Yeah. Um, and look, I think I think we know that uh, South Africans are are starving for hockey, and we've been getting a lot of it this year. Yeah. Um, but that the reason why Supersport are covering a lot of it is because of the fact that so many people are watching. So, uh, yeah, I think the numbers would have probably been pretty high. Um, but, I mean, we had PHL, World League all on on the same day. Mm. Uh, you know, that's unthought of <laughs> across the, the, the rest of the continent and yeah. maybe across the world to have so much hockey on TV at the same time. is incredible. It's fantastic. What, so what happened in, on the men's side of things then? Yeah, so on the men's side, uh, we had the, the Maru, uh, you know, I'm always going to struggle with this name, the Mapubungwe Mambas, um, who had started the tournament really well. Uh, they, they were facing the Drakensberg Dragons, and Drakensberg Dragons recalled uh, Richard Curtis and Jared Jones from the indoor side, who flew back up for the game. Um, Austin Smith was there for the Dragons, um, you know, and... Although Curtis was fantastic for the numbers and goal, uh, the Dragons were just outstanding. Austin Smith off the penalty corner, probably the second best South African off the penalty corner behind Justin Reed Ross. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Justin doesn't really play for South Africa anymore. Uh, Billy Ntuli, who's a youngster, whose brother is actually the coach of the Dragons, he scored a cracker on the reverse stick after another great save from Curtis. You know, and then... Uh, the, the Dragons really just ran away with it. They they were ultimately quite comfortable in a 5-2 win, um, and so they made their way to the final. And if you looked at their lineup, they would have probably been the favourites. They were who I selected the favourites at the start of the tournament. Um, they were up to face the Cavemen because the Cavemen played uh, last year's finalists, Ado Elephants, who also snuck into the semi-finals, and they demolished them. It was a 6-1 result with Lance Lowe getting a hat-trick of penalty strokes. 
not something you see every day. Um, but truth be told, it was as one-sided as you get. I think the circle entries were something like 30 to 7. Wow. Uh, and, and it really wasn't uh, a great viewing game, that, unfortunately. I've got to say, the caveman um, probably win the uh, the award on the men's side for the best social media campaign. They, they were pretty good on, on uh, Twitter and on Facebook and around and about the place. Yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, I think a few of the teams started very well, uh, much like the hockey, and then faded off. But the cavemen, they were fantastic. They they, they backed the Wear Orange campaign, and um, look, in the final, it was a cracker. I think, uh, for me, the cavemen, uh, they, they drafted very well. They drafted experienced defenders, where everybody else went for the flashy attackers. And, uh, you know, this is tournament hockey. If you can't defend, you're never going to win. That's right. Uh, and in the final, I think the Dragons, uh, Austin Smith was unfortunately ill through food poisoning. And, uh, it seems to be a I'm common theme across the, the continents. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently we should really start watching what hockey players eat, or uh, it might be the water that they're drinking. Yeah, it could be the water. You know could, what I mean. could be the local pizza <laughs> shop. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the Dragons, I mean, they were fantastic in the opening quarter. They just laid siege. I think they had four penalty corners, and they just they couldn't get past the Resolute Cayman defence. And against the run of play, there is a, a really incredible player named Bryn Cleek. Uh, unfortunately, he's not South African. He's actually Namibian. And uh, he scored uh, a fantastic individual goal. And then their skipper, or vice-skipper, Miguel de Grasso, made a 2-0. And, yeah, as much as the Dragons created chances, they were just very uh, toothless in, in finishing them. And ultimately, Cavemen winning 3-0, back-to-back champions. You know, and obviously a big, big uh, statement by some of their players to say, listen, we want to go to the Commonwealth Games. So yeah. I think it, it leaves a very good... Um, Discussion opportunity for uh, the um, the selectors, and uh, I, th- I suppose it's a good problem to have. So many players are putting their hands up. Well, we certainly loved the the concept of the the tournament and back to back wins for the for the cavemen there. Hopefully, that gives an opportunity to build some kind of brand um, around there. And like you say, if they're they're going for that, the going for the orange and everybody wearing the same colour shirts, that's that's some kind of measure and steps towards that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, the the vice captain Miguel de Grasso, often a forgotten man uh, of South African hockey, he does have, I think it's about 55 caps, but he's always missed the big tournaments. He again showed throughout the tournaments he was uh, the man to call on at the right times, and ultimately was selected as the player of the tournament. Um, and again, another man who. Uh, it's just quietly gone about serving South African hockey, so it's, it's nice to see him getting getting the rewards for years of dedication. Of course, uh, while we're on player of the tournament, I'm sure you'll be happy to know the women's player of the tournament was none other than Kirsten Payton. Oh, brilliant. There we go. Well, we're pretty good at picking the winners. Talent. Jeez. <laughs> well, maybe not on hockey manager. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got us there. Have to admit that one. It's all on the public record now. <laughs> so, uh, were there any other awards along there? Were there any junior awards, or was it just a sort of a player of the tournament, men and women? 
Yeah, there was uh, junior awards. We had uh, the junior player of the tournament from the Gladiators was Tyson Lumbuanya, the captain of uh, the Gladiators. Um, I also just think there should be honourable mention for Courtney Hall. Absolutely outstanding youngster. Um, I think he's got a, a future. Yeah, I think he's got the talent to play professionally in Europe. And on the ladies' side, um, the the Daisy's vice captain Ongi Mali, who is incredible. It, she runs. She her, her hands are incredibly quick. Her decision making at her age, at 20 years of age, is fantastic. And she also uh, led the stadium in the singing of the national anthem before the final. Beautiful. So, uh, amazing stuff. A uh, girl with endless talents. So, whilst PHL's on, there's also another tournament going on in South Africa at the moment, and you're there on, on site, so tell us all about the PSI. Yeah, so Pro Series Indoor um, started in 2007, so it's in its 11th year now, and it really is, uh, they've got a mantra that it's all about celebrating the spirits of indoor hockey, and it really is that uh, it's... 114 different teams from across uh, Southern Africa, because Zimbabwe and Namibia are also represented, now playing indoor hockey across 15 different venues. And every evening, or not every evening, most evenings, we have what's called the PSI Showdown. And that's the South African national men's team that's been selected for the World Cup in February, playing against uh, an international all-stars. It's largely from uh, Europe, uh, from Netherlands. Uh, the guys that won the World Cup in 2015 and then this year they introduced the World All-Stars so they play a little triangular event uh, before a final as the goals and obviously uh, for interest to many of the listeners there Matthew Hodgkiss, your previous yep, yep. indoor captain uh, is playing and what a, what a man he is what a man to make some bus is full tackles at the back uh, he's a no-nonsense defender and probably a little bit of a pity that he's not going to the next World Cup yeah, so you say about all of the teams that are involved from across Southern Africa. Is this in specific age groups? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had under 13 and 14 from Friday last week to Monday, and then under 16 started on Tuesday and finished on Friday this week. Um, and it's just, I mean, I think I've probably watched uh, about 60 or 70 games of indoor hockey in the last uh, five or six days. Oh. Uh, and... It'll go over 100 by the end of the week, and it's just, it's incredible. Uh, you know, it really gives South Africa an unheralded, uh, you know, unrivaled platform of indoor hockey. We have two and a half thousand kids taking part in each of the tournaments. I mean, that's just insane. Uh, our national games in the evening is played in front of a packed house of 3,000 people. Wow. You know, with a, with a vibe probably only only met at the Indoor Hockey World Cup. And, yeah, look, I think Indoor Hockey is a great spectator sport. I think it's something that is very easy to watch. It's very quick. It's very short. Uh, and we know that uh, sports fans, with the growth of T20 sports across uh, different uh, codes, they love the short, compact, entertaining uh, games. I think indoor hockey really meets that. And, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not the, personally the biggest fan of fives, 
think uh, we don't necessarily need a fire zone. You've got a product like indoor hockey that should it take off is really offers you all the all the things you're looking for as an alternative to outdoor. Yeah, yeah, I know. I agree with that totally. Yeah, good point. And I've also noticed as well that there's um, it, the PSI format seems to be spreading its wings. Yeah, so uh, PSI next year launches in Ireland. Uh, they've already got nine franchises. That's what we call each of the uh, areas. We have franchises, and they have their own regional leagues. This is the nationals. And so uh, from April next year, PSI Ireland will be alive, and they will have their first national tournament in Dublin in June, July next year. Um, and I think it's just exciting. I think, uh, you know, as a, as a big fan of the, the sports of indoor hockey, I think uh, getting more indoor hockey out there is exciting and I think there's probably a good opportunity for that right now with uh, the Pro League starting. A lot of the teams left off of that might start to develop their indoor hockey as as, uh, a good uh, addition to their outdoor hockey programs. Yeah, and we've spoken on the show about it before that in, in some countries indoor is the only route to, for a, an international stage. You know, Namibia probably a good a good case there. Um, Iran, um, well, you know, the other sides that are involved uh, don't have such a big program on the outdoor scene. Yeah, we what we've seen in, in within Africa is uh, we've got uh, Malawi are playing indoor hockey. Tanzania are playing indoor hockey. I mean, they do play outdoor hockey, but you know they're getting getting uh, really heavily defeated in games, and that's not that's not good for development. Um, and in indoor hockey, you just need to find a surface, and you only need to find six players. You know, you don't need to find 16 players. Yeah. And uh, the skill set that it teaches you can be translated so well into outdoor that it's it's not bad. You know, when I was uh, when I was at school and playing, and uh, you know, I was never a, a, a top class player. I was always more interested in coaching and umpiring because something was wrong with me. <laughs> um, but uh, we we played a lot of our outdoor training. We'd start our outdoor season in January when it only started in March, and we'd practice indoor. And that would just get our hands going and our skill and our stopping. And by the time we got to outdoor, you know, the basics were already there that you didn't need to spend as much time on that and, and you could see people had a natural affinity to the pace of a game and I think it's really great for the development of hockey and you know in places who can't buy an Astro you can find courts you can play in almost any court if you want to yeah no, yeah, I, I, I agree totally, and yeah, there's an op- opportunities there. We, we've been getting a bit of feedback from some quarters in India still moaning about the fact that turfs are too expensive and uh, it's a conspiracy, conspiracy against Indian hockey to play, play on Astro turfs. I, th- I thought we might have moved beyond that, but you know, there's, there's an answer there, isn't it? If you can't afford to get the turfs down, get people into sports halls. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's, it's not expensive. You can use something that's already there. I mean, uh, the the FIH restrictions on court size give you a massive range of difference. I mean, if you play on a minimum court size or the maximum court size, it's, it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Obviously, at the World Cup and at African qualifiers, you have to play on a full size, but, you know, any time else, you can play on a really small condensed field. You're going to have less space as a player, but why not? Um... Oh, yeah, I really think it offers a great, great alternative uh, to the countries who are struggling with money. 
That's fantastic stuff. Well, Tyron, we're going to leave it there for today, and really thank you for uh, helping out covering the PHL and giving news of that to all of our listeners out there. Uh, yeah, super to hear about PSI and that that's, that's spreading its spreading its wings. And I think a lot of countries, I mean, England would probably like to take on the PSI because I can see a lot of people complaining about not being able to play hockey there in the snow <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think uh, I, I know that you, the United States of America have uh, expressed an interest. Uh, obviously, they've got a bit of a geographical challenge. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, if hockey continues to grow, there's space for both indoor and outdoor. And obviously, from my side, um, you know, I, I, I want to see more hockey, whatever it is. I want to see more hockey and, uh, you know, I want to be able to listen to, to more podcasts. Uh, I'm a big fan of the reverse six. It's been a, a big pleasure. Uh, chatting hockey with you for the past few weeks. No, it's fantastic, oh. Tyron. And yeah, well, thank you very much for the kind words there. But yeah, that's what we, you know. We want more hockey podcasts. We want there to be that that culture out there that there's there's choice and availability. You know, you don't only have to listen to us idiots. <laughs> well, so far I think you're doing a great job. So we'll keep <laughs> listening <Tyron>. to you. <laughs> Maybe just not for for. Uh, Fantasy prediction. <laughs> shots fired, shots fired. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be doing, we'll get something like that similar happening for some of the big tournaments coming up as well. So you're always going to have a second chance to prove how good a coach uh, you go. are. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Tyrone, great to talk. Thank you very much. Thanks, gents. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. And that was Tyrone Barnard, Big Jaboo, as we know him here on the reverse stick with all the latest from the PHL. So do you know what Jaboo means? I do now. Go on then. Happy. Happiness. Happy, yes. Yeah. So, uh, which Tyrone shared with us when we asked him off air what the, the root of the, the name Jabu was, and it's a little nickname in the middle there. That he got at uh, primary school. That he got it when he was nine years old. How sweet is that? And his 16-month-old son now has got the same middle name. Yeah, so... Uh, lovely fellow. We'll be talking more to Tyrone to, um, in the lead up and at the uh, Indoor World, Cup. World Cup, which is in February. That's right. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of indoor hockey coming up too, um, so we'll be taking a closer look at that after Christmas as the, uh, the Euros come around and the World Cup comes around well, and there's, a few there's, tournaments coming up as well. Yeah, that, there's January. obviously a lot of domestic um, indoor mm. stuff happening across Europe at the moment and I'm sure in some other parts of the world as well and uh, so certainly countries like Germany where the, the cold weather sets in then the domestic outdoor leagues are all halted for a couple of months and indoor takes over. I've noted that there's a few clubs in the UK are, uh, Quite a few people on social media are calling for that. It's going, come on, we need a winter break. It's ridiculous. There's, there's snow and ice and frost over all the pitches across the country, and we're not playing anyway. So why do we keep on banging our head against the brick wall and, and going through this and driving across the country in dangerous conditions, you know, and all of that jazz? Now um, we're going to be talking to Jazz Sani fairly soon about the Hockey World League finals. Well, you will. Be. I will be. Uh, because just that, that's the way it turned out. Well, it's um, just timing, and unfortunately, I've got a prior drinking engagement. <laughs> <laughs> but it is with hockey people. It's a, it's your summer hockey wind-up. It's the summer it? hockey wind-up. Yeah, yeah, so last week was the last game of summer hockey. Uh, so there's a bit seven of tear aside. in the eye, seven aside, just for a bit of social and uh, just to keep the legs moving over the summer. And uh, we thought that the the competition finished a little bit early this year, so we've scheduled in a final round or two. Yeah, I'd say there'll be several final rounds <laughs> going on tonight. Um, but a few things to talk about before we get to Jazz Parade. 
little things. The uh, latest world rankings are out. Not much has gone on there. For the women, the Netherlands are still at top. The only change in the top ten is to uh, trans-Tasman rivals, New Zealand and Australia, swapping places. New Zealand up into fourth, Australia dropping down to sixth, but that's the only change in the top 35 for the women and for the men, it's not a too dissimilar situation. In fact, that top 35, the only change is right at the very tippy top where Australia move ahead of Argentina to take that number one spot. The Argentinians dropping back down to number two on the back of the uh, game on Sunday night at the Hockey World League. Well, there was one other change. I think the Spanish and New Zealand have switched uh, uh, switched positions. Uh, oh, but, they have. But, they but have. yeah, that that um, the Hockey World League final game was a a one versus two, and from all the yeah. chat that's gone on about um, how and how people progress to the final games, and you know all the the, the chat around hullabaloo. that. Yeah, the hullabaloo. You got the number world number one and two playing off in the final. So once again, as much we've done this a few times over the episodes and had a bit of a whinge about uh, the process with rankings and uh, different stuff, but it tends to be that a lot of the top-ranked teams are the ones that are at the pointy end of the tournaments. True. Um, you know, for watching the Hockey World League, I thought the the pool games were a bit dour, a bit boring. I thought the I thought the tournament really kicked off once the quarters started. And one of my favourite games was the India Germany, uh, not India Germany. India-Belgium game in the wet and I thought that was really interesting because that really evened the teams up and it was a slog for the players too and it was a, it was a game where it wasn't all going to be about flash skills and all those sorts of things people were going to have to find their inner mongrel to win that game but I found and it I laugh- think India did I found it laughable a lot of the commentary on social media was about the wet weather and how it's going to affect the game it's like geez, half these teams that are playing in the peeing down rain they're from Europe Half the season's played yeah. play that way. And that's perhaps what made the Indian team's victory in that game um, more notable, was because they don't play a lot of that style of hockey. Yeah. The Belgians do. And, you know, credit to India in that particular game. They, did, I, they got, I thought, pants by the Germans previously, and I wasn't thinking they were going to put up much of a show at all. Maybe it was the conditions that brought it back for them, but they were really good that day. Yeah, but it, 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 I enjoyed having hockey on every night. Yeah, you know, here, here, here at our time. My wife not so much, but yeah. I had the uh, the projector up, and uh, yeah, I won't tell you how I was watching it. <laughs> a couple of other interesting things that did come out of those. Uh, oh, before we get on to the hockey world league again, uh, the schedule is out for the Women's World Cup next year. Oh, that's right, it in is. In London, just while we're mentioning scheduling, we might as well mention this. So you can check already the format of the tournament, and we don't have to wait until the tournament starts to start whinging about <laughs> the format. We can do it right now. That's it. So there'll be no surprises for, for, you know, for anybody out there. That's it. Now, it's a, a 16-team tournament, four pools of four. They're going to play their little round-robin tournament to start the game off, and then the bottom team from each pool will drop out. They'll be out of the tournament. The top team from each pool will immediately go through to the quarterfinals and teams that finish second and third in their pool will play off in crossover games to determine the other quarterfinalists and then it goes into your semifinals and your final. Now, some interesting points to note here. There is no day's break between the last of the qualifying games in the pool and the first of the crossover, first two crossover games, but there is a day's break for the between the last of the pool games and the second group of crossover yeah. games. Yeah, so we can expect four games a day 
through the pool yep. um, phase. Pool phase, and then into two games a day uh, beyond that. Uh, I'll already state that I think those four crossover games should all be played on the t- same day because those there's an advantage there. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, some things are yeah, going back to back. Yeah, that you can see already. Now, there is a day's break. I know there's not a day's break between the quarterfinals and the, the, cross, the last of the two crossover games. So the teams in the quarterfinal will have, on, will be on the third day. It'll, they'll have had Dor- t- Directly, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it'll be a two day break between their last game and they potentially are going to be playing against a team that may have played the day before. We don't know exactly how these crossovers are working yet. They're not up on the website. Uh, following the quarterfinals, played on consecutive days, two games on the 1st, two games on the 2nd of August. There's then a day's break to the semifinals with the final and the uh, third, fourth place game being played the following day. Yeah, so there's there's no break from going straight. Well, you know, some teams could go straight quarter-final, have a day's break like everybody will do, then semi-final, final, back-to-back. Yep. Back. So you're definitely going to be playing two games back-to-back. Back. Yep. Is that the, the best thing for our sport, going straight back-to-back? Back? I've got nothing wrong with that. What I have a problem with is where they've got quarter-finals over and, and crossover finals over separate days that do give teams a day's yeah. break advantage over sure. their opponent. Yeah, surely it would make more sense on that July 30th, the, the first day of the crossover uh, games, is, yeah, like you say, you have all four games. Yeah. And then on the 31st... Have a, a rest yeah, day. A, another rest day in that. Yeah. And then you could, you know, potentially play all the quarterfinals on one day as well and have another rest day if you wanted to. Yeah. But uh, the essential... One of the problems that I saw people coming from the, the Hockey World League with the fixturing, as people were complaining about, was this idea that a team would have had a better record in the pool games being asked to do back-to-back games and teams that finished lower in the pools yeah. getting the day off. Which I think is a fair query. You know? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing: is there are so many different angles that you could take, whether it being advantageous uh, or it's working against you, and it it kind of depended which camp you were sitting. In. I think there was a universal agreement that it seems a bit unfair, and it, and uh, yeah. that was from teams that were doing well and not doing so well. Uh, but then you throw into the mix everything else that's gone on around the tournament. So weather's one of the things there. You know, sickness. Say sickness. You know, sickness. Now you're always going to get people injured in a tournament. I'm assuming that's why they've got an 18 team. Uh, you're allowed 18 players, sorry, uh, rather than the 16 that you get at the Olympics. Um, it's a, you know, yeah. it's, it's just better better for hockey that way. And you're always likely to lose one or two through the tournament, so you're still going to have a, a fit, healthy group. Now you don't we, expect to lose six or eight. No, well we saw it in the pool phase. We saw it with the Netherlands and England. Yeah, um, and it ruined England's tournament. Losing, pl- yeah, losing players, which um, it was reported in some of the Indian press that uh, all of the hotels, and particularly the the hotel that was being shared by both of those sides, were getting a full uh, inspection for kitchen cleanliness and and all of that going on. But then the hotel came back and said, well, actually, the players that have been sick bought pizza from a local pizza store from outside. Of the hotel, and this is how they've got sick. Now we talked last week about the water quality. Um, now, you know, and I'm sure this would be the case. They'd be drinking bottled water within the uh, within the hotels, but you don't know about food preparation. You don't know about cleaning uh, your lettuce or whatever yeah. else you might have. And what's the water quality on the actual field of play itself as well? Where's that being drawn from? 
you can't tell me that that's getting a better filter uh, to be sprayed onto the field than what's being put through people's taps in in the surrounding areas. If it is, that'd be a bloody outrage, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so there's lots of ways that people can get sick at these things. Now it's not just restricted to India. Oh, you God find no. this, you know, this. Well, there's a cruise ship travelling around Australia at the moment, and it's got 200 sick people on it. From, that's right. You know, it's, it's, it's something that can happen. Yeah, um, and it's it's not unknown that you know people suffer with a little bit of Delhi belly when they they go to India for the first time, and it takes a bit of time to acclimatise to that. So I don't know what what do you do? Do you take your team there four weeks earlier just to get used to everything? I think you'd be aware that there's a potential problem and do your best to try and mitigate the circumstances for that problem to arise. So what does it what happens now then? Because obviously we've got the uh, Hockey World Cup coming up next year there in exactly the same place. Um, there's not a lot of accommodation around as it is, and I've no, heard I've heard that the bookings were filling up rather fast in the five or six um, hotels of um, expected quality and standard. Um, I'd also heard a, a little whisper that there might be a few national associations that are trying to book some hotels and are struggling. Um, so that's just one side of it, but there's got to be serious concerns on player welfare. Um, for all of the competing nations at the 2018 Hockey World Cup. Well, you can guarantee the English, the Germans and the, and the Dutch are going to make sure that that doesn't happen again and they'll be looking at every possible angle at solving the problem. Another th- uh, issue that came out, Matt, the slide. Uh, yes. The slide. We, we, all from the man preet tackle and the, the name of the Belgian player. Um, German? German. No, I'm sure it was Belgium, wasn't it? You're probably it? right. Uh, yeah, it was a Belgian player. Uh, maybe not. But it was a player. He, he, he slid tackle. He took the guy's legs in the act of the tackle and copped a, a yellow card. No, it was Argentina, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. Oh, look, that's how much hockey we've been watching. Oh, Can't even remember. Are you sure it was Argentina? Yeah, it was Argentina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, was that... Oh, yeah, because they beat him, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Point stands, though. <laughs> he got a yellow card because he attempted a tackle, and in the process of tackling, he took the player's legs out, and he got 10 minutes for it. Yeah, now, after the fact. Got the ball first. No, no, hang on. Yeah, Let, let's got the ball first. He, before before the Argentinian went up on his ass. Uh, yeah, but he couldn't make that, he couldn't make that, he couldn't make that tackle without taking the Argentinian out. Couldn't he? No. Well, if he could have, look, why coming, didn't he? I'm, I'm looking at John. I'm coming from a different side because uh, I'm, I've been prone to a few tackles like that in the past, and uh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was superb. The guts and the determination no, to get there and make. If you happen you. to fall over the back of my leg after I've tackled the ball, well, that's your lookout. You got to watch where you're bloody going, mate. He doesn't the back of him. He, uh, he falls into the back of the player in front of him. Look, and I'd, I'd be looking for the deliberate push. Yeah, you would be, and that's why blokes keep trying to whack you. <laughs> because people that do that in the hockey field get whacked, don't they, Matt? Let's move on. Yeah, okay. But when, when you know that that's not an appropriate tackle. Okay, if you, if he could have... i tell you what, honestly, first time I saw it, and I, when it happened live, I thought, fair play, he's done well to get that. No, but he didn't. See, the point is he didn't. But he did, but he got the ball, though. He got yeah, the but ball. he took the player. Yeah, I know he took and the he player. And he but couldn't I'm, have taken the I'm ball speaking, without taking the player. I'll tell you what, mate, you're going to get thrown out soon of the hashtag Defenders Union. No, I'm not. You certainly are with views like that. No, I'm not. You you want to join the Umpires Union, don't you? I've, I've got nothing against my stick 
happening to be where that player wants to put their foot and they just happen to fall over. There's nothing wrong with that. However, diving into someone's legs is a completely different matter. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? So a 10-minute ten min- ten yellow was given. Oh, look, a lot I don't of pe- believe a lot it was of, worth a 10-minute no, yellow. A lot of people called I, for a five. Look, I thought he was making a legitimate attempt to get the ball, but the tackle took the player out. Yeah. Okay, we've all done it. No big deal. Two minutes would have been enough, man. Break. Don't do it again. Have a quick break. If he does it again, maybe then flog him with the 10 minutes. But he he wasn't deliberately trying to take the player out. He was trying to deliberately take the ball. Yeah. So on that side of it, but but a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of you know, I enjoyed some of the uh, the banter that was going on online, and a lot of the decisions that were being talked about a lot were ones that were left up to interpretation. Yeah, well, that's not in a case of interpretation. I wouldn't have thought. Uh, Well, you you think there's something to be interpreted there. Yeah, I thought it was a, genu- a genuine attempt at the ball. That doesn't, yeah, so, but so, so what? So, but there was no intent with it at all. So? He took, he took the ball. He, he and he took the player but out. He, there was nothing. Per- there was no purpose behind it, him take, that, taking that, out that, that player should, there. It should at least be a free so, hit. So, it's, so, it's, so you can take out players. So it's, a, it's clumsy. It's a, it's a green card. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he should have got a ten minute yellow. But it's a free hit, we look, at the very least. You we can't at, run around taking out blokes' legs. We look to reward skill in the game. We should also look to uh, reward some ticker and, and uh, a bit of spunk that that bloke's put in, that Manpreet's put in to actually make that challenge. Good on him. So you, should, you think that it's all right that people should be able to dive into people's legs? <clears throat> Let's move on. <laughs> I can't wait to the next Summer Sevens game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had a bit of fun in the last one. I'll oh, tell you about that later. Well, we're going to wrap up the show slightly in a different way today, a little bit earlier as far as the bits we get through for you because you're going to have to go and I'm going to have to talk to Jazz Preet. So... Right now, anything else you want to bring up just quietly? Well, a couple of things. Oh, other bits and pieces from Hockey World League. Yeah. I did notice that Dr. Batra and Elena Norman were very hands-on in the rather extraordinarily long um, medal ceremony that happened after the final game. Um, I also note that the vote happens tomorrow, our time, for the Indian Olympic Association, of which Dr. Batra is nominated for both the Senior Vice Presidency and Presidency. There's three uh, candidates in the running there. Be I'm interested hearing to he's see. in. He's got one of them. That's right. what I'm hearing. He's okay. already got one of them. Well, he certainly so showed he was a man of action. If you saw him on your screens at the Hockey World League, uh, radio in hand or otherwise, he, uh, there always seemed to be somebody having a little run around for him. So well, good, to, good to see him involved. Didn't see. Uh, it's a very popular way for leaders to be leading these days. Yeah, and he showed. See, it's a Donald Trump. Method. And he showed he's got a great relationship with the Aussie captain, Mark Knowles. What a beautiful hug. Um, I just had visions of some romantic music playing in the background as I spotted that. Uh, what else? Uh, what do you think of the commentary at the uh, Hockey World League? Didn't I ask you not to ask me that? Yeah, OK. Well, I'll tell you what I thought. I thought some of it was very um, simplified and some of it seemed like it was. Uh, there were certain messages being hammered home, dare I say, some scripting done by the organisers and uh, I think uh, you need to let the commentators just get on and commentate the game that would be nice and uh, try and imagine that you can't see the game and you're actually explaining what's happening on the field I'll make two comments on, um, okay number one comment when you are in the 59th minute and 23rd second of a game 
and a team forces a short corner uh, and haven't scored a goal in 59 minutes and 23 seconds, that is not a reflection of the brilliant counter-attacking style of that team. Uh, not scoring any goals in 59 minutes is no endorsement of brilliant counter-attacking play. The second point I'd like to make is in the dying seconds of a final, when a bloke is standing on his own, five metres out from goal, and a ball pops up in front of him, and he's got time to look at the ball and take a giant swing at it, and that ball hits his stick and bunkies five metres wide of the goals, it is not a great shot. No, but I'll tell you what, if he'd have done it outside the uh, the 25, it would have been a great crash ball. What is a crash ball? <laughs> what the hell is a crash ball? I know what a crash ball is. I've figured it out now. It's a bloke who smashes it as hard as he bloody well can to nobody anywhere, and the ball goes out no, of the crash, No, a crash ball's got to go into the D, I reckon. But basically, oh, it goes into the D and, and goes he, straight back ahead of the bloody And he hit D. into the D. Crash ball! It's the new drinking game. Next time you're watching any... Uh, oh. uh, well, maybe watch out for the World Cup next year. We'll, uh, we'll start the crash ball drinking game. Uh, Apart from that, it was fine. Another couple of bits I spotted. Field Hockey Canada's women's uh, national team coaches just stepped down. Apparently was only contracted to the Commonwealth Games, but seems to be an early departure there. I've heard a few rumblings, but uh, probably nothing that we can actually share on air. But you might see a few players returning to the Canadian women's setup. Uh, what else is going on? Malaysian Hockey League about to start up. They've been announcing some players. I see Davy Hart's going to play in that. Um, Obviously, there's an absence of Hockey India League this year. I would expect quite a few international players to pop up in the uh, Malaysian Premier League. Uh, Rob Abbott, friend of the show, um, just been appointed as an international umpire. Woohoo! So, congratulations, Rob. Super stuff there. Anything else, mate? I think that's about it. We could go oh, on about... I've got a lot I want to speak to about Pro League. There's a fantastic blog that's been put out by next week. by Ashley Morrison on notthefootyshow.com yeah. um, on his site there. Have a look at that because there's some really interesting points about the Pro League, about sponsorship, about our progress and about what a tenth team, okay. i.e. India, would uh, would add to it. So there's been a press, con- a press conference between uh, McCracken and, uh, and Dr. Batra have intimated there's a door open there um, and I think there's going to be a lot of head scratching across the national associations oh there's um, there's some interesting things that are going to be popping up over that I reckon oh I got some feedback this week far away Uh, yeah I I can't pick hockey teams (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, you put some restrictions on yourself with the Atlas Hockey Dream Team and only wanted to pick players that hadn't been picked elsewhere. By anybody else, which includes Mark Appel, everybody. I just like to... <laughs> I, I picked him. So John, I got him. John's a visionary and he reckoned... He, yeah, he knew what was going to happen. He knew about the bad water that he spoke to you about last week. That's and, right. And uh, figured there's got to be space for a goalkeeper to take a field on-field position. That wasn't the only game that he played in. He played in the pre- game previous as well. He did. Um, I mean, he can't be that good if he can't score in consecutive games, eh? <laughs> what kind of striker is he? Uh, from the man who scores one goal a season, I'm not sure I should be answering that question. Yeah, that's about my average as well. Uh, let's see, did anything catch your eye on the things this week? Oh, Caught so a bit of a baking last week for questioning the, the, um, 
the formatting of this particular tournament and tried to engage in a discussion about that particular formatting, but it wasn't to be. There's quite a few people... I'm a bloody imperialist. There's quite a few people that are very sensitive uh, on social media forums and you can't understand it. Um, I did make put up a little uh, uh, an opportunity to vote if uh, on Twitter if one of us were missing because of we'd taken some bad water and uh, whether the show should go on or we get a guest host in or uh, no, we can change it to another date. And, of course, I was referencing the Hockey World League there, but a few people seemed to think it was something to do with my drinking problem. <laughs> I, was quite, I was quite affronted by the suggestion that the bad water I was talking about included alcohol. Uh, well, it's a matter of opinion, really, isn't it? You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. And joining us now with a look at how the Hockey World League finals went in Babanaswa is Jazz Prodsani. How are you, Jazz? Hi, you. I'm good. How are you? Have you managed to uh, recover? Uh, I managed to recover. I don't know if the Germans have. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, uh, what did you make of the tournament in the end? Uh, in the end, um, India finished on the podium, so I think that was the objective for them. I don't think they were going for gold, silver or bronze or anything. They weren't targeting any particular medal, but they uh, got a medal, finished on the podium. Although it didn't happen in ideal circumstances, uh, the semi-final got ruined by rain and uh, the bronze medal match was pretty lopsided considering uh, we were playing... 18 versus 11, India were 18 and uh, 7 of the Germans were already sick so they, 11 of them played their heart out for 60 minutes um, and still tested India, lost 2-1 so credit to the Germans, they clearly won hearts in Bhuvneshwar and they'll be welcome next time and I'm sure that nothing of that sort happens again. In, in fairness to the Indian players as well, I mean, I, I'm sure that they knew what the situation the Germans were in and uh, you can only play against the team that's out there against you. You know, as a player, you have no control over any of that other stuff. So, you know, they won, and that, they should get right. credit for it. That's right, and Marinia made a very important very, very um, important point by saying that even in such situations when you have a lot of advantage uh, in terms of number of players and substitutions and all that, even then it plays on your mind because... Uh, you are not expected to lose in such situations mm-hmm. and if you do you will be asked a lot of questions and in also um, the players uh, on the pitch are under pressure because if they con- if they would have conceded first conceded a goal first german all german legs would have been back in their 25 yard i'm sure about that and it would have been tough for india to get that goal uh, erased yeah they do defend pretty well the germans they know how to do that Exactly, and that was what Indians were worried about and it showed in their play in the first uh, couple of quarters when the finishing was not right. Uh, it was only late in the second quarter that they could get ahead with uh, Sunil's goal. Uh, but but uh, overall, uh, they were worried and it showed in their play uh, that should Germans uh, get get a goal first, they would make sure that, it, that India couldn't uh, erase that. That game did provide the highlight of the tournament, I thought, and that was the the goal to the German backup keeper, Mark Appel. I thought that was <laughs> just a lovely moment for the game. You know what? Um, I, I remembered of um, Camus, uh, the, the great philosopher-writer, 
when he scored uh, apple scored because kamu himself was a um, goalkeeper a football goalkeeper once and he would certainly have found it absurd as his writings <laughs> Uh, you also mentioned the the semi final there um, between India and uh, the Belgians. You're talking about the quarter final oh, against sorry, Belgium. Yes, yeah, sorry, the quarter final. Yeah, the quarter final. It was the most intriguing game of the tournament, as well as the other uh, quarter final, which also went to uh, uh, the shootout. So those two games stood out, and the crowd enjoyed it a lot. And Fortunately for them, India were on the right side of that shootout. Um, so, and and for the tournament organizers also, India could last till the last day. Uh, means the bronze medal match was played till the last day. I, I'm sure the broadcasters and the organizers couldn't have asked for anything uh, second best if not for gold. So India was there in the tournament till the last day. That. That that did the trick for the advertisers as well. Yeah, there were scheduling issues, and teams like Argentina and Germany were not particularly happy uh, playing uh, in within 24-hour period and all that stuff. But I'm sure this will be taken into account for the World Cup. But again, there are eight teams here. There are 16 teams, so it might come back. Yeah, I, I thought the the important thing in the um the Belgium game is the conditions weren't in India's favour, but they managed to fight it out, and and really, um, you know, found so it, was, it wasn't a game about doing fancy tricks and, and amazing stick play. It was a game where you just had to slog it. Yeah, it was most most importantly India scored. Before that, in the uh, league stages, they were not scoring enough. So that was the important point. They can create as many chances they want, they can create as many circle penetrations they want, but unless and until they put ball inside the goal, it, they won't make a match of it, and that, that's why they could match the Belgians. Jazz, do you think there were any losers in this tournament? It's Considering the, the sickness that went through certain teams, etc., it's finding it hard to see a team that perhaps went backwards and would be bitterly disappointed. I know the Belgians wouldn't be happy, but they played some good hockey. Yeah, Belgium played some good hockey and, and they tried uh, another trick if you read in the newspapers climbing the wall of their hotel <laughs> going to the stadium in the night just to make sure some kind of superstition Yeah, I don't know what's going on there <laughs> It's a bit weird, that one So that that's up to them but yeah, um, Belgians will be disappointed because the format was such that if you lose one game in the knockouts you're out of the tournament even if you have won the previous third, which previous three, which actually Belgians Belgians did, so uh, they will be disappointed uh, uh, as per the format. But uh, what I have heard from the FIH is that this this format is going to stay as long as there are eight teams in the fray. So I don't know if uh, teams can continue to complain or just live with it. That's that's the truth right now. But yeah, um, on the scheduling part, there can certainly be uh, a lot of corrections because the Argentine coach uh, rightly pointed out that they played um, they played around seven games in or six games in nine days, and Australia played around four or five in similar number of days. Plus, they played the semi-final and the final on the consecutive days. So. Yeah, uh, they were complaining and rightly so. So scheduling can be taken care of. Format, I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, tweaked. It will stay as is. Yeah, I mean, I I think the the FIH are after games, so 
that's a model that gives them the most number of games that they can squeeze out. I think you don't want to be they don't want to be dropping teams out of tournaments before they have to. Yeah, I'm sure because if you see the Champions Trophy, it's played played on a league basis. Or the Aslan Shark plays on a league basis, and it gets over in a week or so. So I'm sure they want more game time, Definitely. more tournament time. Now, just having a look at some of the awards as well, Jazz, the player awards, um, and I've got them up here on my screen. Uh, the best junior player went to Vigner Wegnes from Belgium. Uh, the best goalkeeper went to Jan Vivaldi. Um, it's a bit hard to tell with goalies because they're all so, so good, but he's certainly one of the best. And the top scorer went to Loic Lupart from Belgium. And the best player or was Matt Grambusch from Germany. Worthy winners, do you think? Um, see, it, it will be it will be um, harsh to name somebody else once the award have, awards have already been given. So um, I, I, you can certainly debate on one or two of them because there were a lot of goalkeepers who did really well, um, including the goalkeeper from Australia. So uh, I think. Uh, yeah, on the goalkeeping front, I may might not totally agree, but on other awards, I don't want to um, <laughs> mention any other any other names. No, that's that's a very good point you make too, Jazz. Once it's decided, that's probably not much point anyway. And and they're all worthy winners. Arguably, maybe not, but once you've awarded it, you're worthy of it. <laughs> Yeah, of course. The arguments are already always there because every player who has performed would want to win an award. But yeah, only one person gets it. That's right. And something else we noticed is there were some extra awards going on. In fact, this is something Matt wanted me to ask you about. There was the Best Team Goal Celebration Award, which was uh, presented to India by Leandra Negre. Um, we also had a... Uh, uh, What's it called? A uh, um, fans award, the fans choice award, won by Rapinda, and um, the maximum goals for each team, Belgium. Do we uh, do we need these sorts of awards? No, we certainly don't need a best celebration award. In that case, <laughs> you might get fancy dress, team dressed in fancy dress, and. Uh, with their celebrations so certainly that award doesn't deserve anything but yeah uh, fans choice award I'm sure uh, in whichever country it happens it will go to uh, the player of that country only in case because and plus uh, in case of India you have 1.2 billion people and even if 10% of them vote uh, any Indian will get it yeah, that's a good point yeah uh, do you know who, how these awards were chosen do you know who was picking the man of match awards for instance um, I'm not sure because uh, this was not revealed to any of uh, the media or any other person who was not directly involved with it. So I, I might not give you the right answer or the correct person who was doing it. Yeah, we're, we're trying to find out if there was a panel or if, you know, it was just someone got asked to pick them or uh, sort of no one really can tell us. So. What, what he. What they did at Azlan Shah was, uh, the organizers, they, uh, at the end, before the, every match ended, just 10 minutes before that or 5 minutes before that, they circulated a form inside the media uh, enclosure and asked everybody to uh, okay. write down their man of the match. So in Azlan Shah, that's how it is done, but I'm not sure about the FIA tournaments. 
Yeah, and it must be said that when you're talking about an international tournament of that quality, there's probably about seven or eight different people that could get the award in any one game. Yeah, exactly. So where to now, Jazz, uh, for India, and what are you looking forward to next in the hockey calendar? Um, I'm looking to travel a lot, (laughs) first thing. Travel. Uh, But I don't know... Yeah, I don't know if I can fund it as much as I want it because India is traveling all around the world, Australia, Holland, um, and then the girls are going to London. So they're traveling quite a lot. I would ideally uh, love to go to Australia and Holland, if not anywhere else. I'm planning already. I'm already in planning mode. But uh, yeah, India should... See, um, Short Marine um, uh, has made the best start any foreign coach can make, um, winning uh, winning medals in first two of his tournaments. So I don't think any other foreign coach in India has been able to do that. He has won the Asia Cup, he has won bronze at the Hockey World League. So ideal start for him. Uh, I'm sure he must be confident. The boys, um, I, but having said that, he would have won wanted to win the bronze in ideal situations, more more competitive situation, which wasn't there against Germany. But he will, and at the end of the day, he will take a podium finish. He has a couple of them in as many tournaments. So uh, he, he, I had a word with him. He seemed quite confident. He said that um, I have made some positive. Uh, uh, some positive uh, feedback. I have got some positive feedback uh, about this tournament from the players and from officials as well. So he has his checklist checklist uh, marked out already, and uh, I'm sure in the coming camp, uh, which begins very soon, um, he will be back back to work, back to the drawing board. And with the world coming up, I mean, there'd be a fair bit of positive feeling about both the men's and the women's teams. Yeah, um, you mean the World Cup? Yeah, sorry, the World Cup, yeah. Yeah, the World Cup, yeah, the women team is very confident having reached the World Cup on merit because earlier they had got a backdoor entry, but now when they have won the Asia Cup, so they are there as Asian champions. So they are pretty confident. Harendra, the coach who um, has been appointed the women's coach, he for the first time he's coaching a women's team and he has made a bright start. Undefeatedly, he won the Asia Cup with the women's team. So uh, both the coaches have made a bright start, and uh, but it will—it's a very—it's a very taxing year because there's the Commonwealth Games, starting with the Azlansha in March, uh, where I don't think India's first team will go. They will send an A team there, probably. Uh, and then after that, there's the Commonwealth Games, and uh, after that. The women have the World Cup, the men have uh, the Champions Trophy, and leading up to the World Cup, of course, um, the Men's World Cup to the end of the year, that's the big tournament. Uh, and uh, if you're planning to come, the hotels are already uh, sold out, so you need to act fast. Wow, already sold out. Yep, oh. many of them have blocked it, so maybe they want to uh, open it up with a swelled up rate later in the year. A good time to be buying investment property in BBI there, Jazz? Pick up a few extra (laughs) houses? (laughs) I'm sure you would love to have a property near the near near a beach in Puri, maybe. Oh, well, I did do a bit of a Google look at the place um, before the tournament started. It looks like a rather nice little area. 
Yeah, it's a very nice area and lots of places to go to, and I'm sure you'll love it if you can plan a trip. Oh well, in the back of my head, I've got the idea that I'd like to be at the the World Cup for at least the men this year. So I'm I'm looking at it. We'll see how it goes. See what the missus says. <laughs> 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 Look, Jase, thanks for joining us today on The Reverse Stick. It's been great having your, your input over the last few weeks and during the year as well, but especially with the Hockey World League finals on. Uh, I know you've been at the cricket today, and uh, it's been a big day. It's been a pretty big day. I mean, um, historic day, third ODI double hundred for an Indian, Rohit Sharma, the same man. All three double hundreds to him, apart from Sehwag and uh, Tendulkar. So, yeah, I have a lot of work at hand. Excellent. Enjoy the cricket, enjoy the hockey coming up, and we'll chat to you again very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me once again. That's about all we have for this week. Matt, thanks for your company. Thank you, John, and thank you to everybody out there listening to episode number 27. Please do get onto iTunes if you take your pod that way and give us a like. Uh, There's still a few countries where we're barely showing even a rating, so five star would be appreciated. Thank you very much. And we'll uh, be with you again next week. See you next week.